This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, well, Ross, um, just the two of us this week. Uh, Joe's got a bit caught up at work, so it's just me and you to talk a bit of Masters pre-recording and now we're going to record this and uh, I'm assuming watch the final round later on. So uh, first of all, uh, how's your weekend been, mate? It's been nice. It feels like it's been an age since I've uh, last record- recorded with you guys, or you, Liam. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've had a nice weekend, just a break from uh, work and I'm ready to go again tomorrow. Yeah, of course, because you missed the um, the last episode, didn't you, where we had uh, myself and uh, Jack on, Joe on. So yeah, yeah, good to have you back, that's definitely. And uh, we'll crack on to the review of the Ipswich game, which uh, put up lightly, as uh, Ross said pre-recording, was it one for the mutuals? Um, nil-nil draw. Uh, I think that's our first nil-nil draw in a long time. May even be all season. I might be wrong there. Um, yeah, this wasn't great, really. I was pretty happy with the performance, though. I felt, um, yes, because we took our chances better. Yes, he made run look a little. Um, but I felt our control of the game on a build-up play was actually really, really good. And the best it's been for a good few weeks. Just a shame that the chance didn't fall to me of the right people or the right people just, or the people put that a chance to just didn't put it away properly. Um yeah, Ipswich were pretty poor. Didn't have a shot on target, and I find it—I found it quite rich how the Ipswich commentator was criticising us when the uh, team he was commentating on didn't have a shot on target the whole game. Uh, especially that that co-commentator also went on Sky Sports the previous week, so uh, yeah, meant to be a reputable sort of head in the I don't know the media and can't even recognise the team playing good football. Bit silly, but yeah, hey, it is what it is. Uh, so. Poor commentary, poor game. Um, Ross, I'm sure you echo the same thoughts, but I believe you want to touch on something else before we get into the your thoughts on the game. Yeah, I just wanted to touch upon um, the injuries and the sense of I felt like it did affect us in the game. Um, obviously, hearing the news of O'Hora after the game being out until the rest of the season. Um, first of all, just want to wish him the best. I know uh, Russ said 
he's been carrying the slight knock. I don't know where it is. Um, all I know is he's just out for the rest of the season. And um, But the replacement wasn't too bad on Saturday in Louis. He was my man of the match. Um, I believe he won every single ground jewel of his. And he won four out of five um, aerial jewels. So, uh, yeah, he ma massive performance from Louis. But what do you expect with him? Um, but up top, Cammy being out, I did, did feel like it cost us. Grig, he doesn't have the pace as such to run in behind. And I feel like Cammy sometimes offer that. And yeah, I, I do feel Cammy was uh, needed at the weekend. Um, and obviously losing Thompson, obviously we all know Thompson's a great player. He's just, he's made of glass and... I know it's quite a bold call to say, but going into next season, can we afford a passenger as such to be constantly on the injury table? Maybe not. So Russ has got a big choice, obviously, on his hands this summer. But yeah, three injuries, which probably cost us a result at the weekend in my eyes. And I felt the performance against Ipswich, as you said, Liam, it wasn't the most entertaining, but we had an element of control in the game. And we, yeah, we had the possession. But we got in some dangerous positions um, that they also did as well. And I believe they didn't even have a shot on target, um, as you said, Liam. But Yes, correct, yeah. Um, yeah, I felt, obviously, Ipswich had their in injuries at top also. So I felt injuries had the, play, had the uh, part to play in this result. And I'm hoping against Lincoln we can bounce back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's bouncing back, to be honest. We, well, we get, back well. To, get back to winning three three points and such. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we didn't even play badly. It's just one of those games where like, you didn't, you weren't even concerned about conceding the goal because the defence, well, for the most part, was you know fairly resolute. And as, I know we keep saying no shots on target, but if your defence isn't conceding a shot on target, you're not conceding the goal, really, unless some freak goal goes in. So... Uh, but yeah, you touched upon a lot on your thoughts, Ross. We'll definitely get on to all of it. Um, I suppose start with Louis. I mean, you mentioned about the ground jewels, and of course, he was slotting in for Warren, who's uh, as I said out for the season. And yeah, again, send the best wishes. Um, but you know, well, Louis was really, really good. Um, and even in an out position role for him, actually, he won his all his ground jewels, all his aerial jewels as well, and also touched the ball 115 times. So yeah, really, really impressive. And it kind of shows how good he really is, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, certainly. But before the game, I actually worried about Louis in the sense of we know he's predominantly left-footed and he doesn't often like to go on his right foot. So I, I did question how he was going to link up with Laird. But with that wand of a left foot, he can pick out any pass and uh, put it in behind if needed. And I think that shows um, on Saturday also. Yeah, and um, I'm assuming you you were going to have Louis starting at right centre back again on Tuesday against Lincoln. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that back three was so good that I, I really can't see anyone else coming into that rest of the season now. Um, yeah, Harry Darling's pretty much cemented his spot since he joined. Uh, Jules has to play there for minutes, and uh, Livington, of course, is there to keep the defence nice and sturdy and. Uh, I was kind of interested on in your thoughts on how Livington impacted Ethan Laird because it, it was a fairly quiet game for Ethan, um, for me at least. I don't know. He didn't do too much 
attacking wise and defensively, he wasn't amazing, but Lewington, of course, covered him quite well. So was it just was this a quiet game for Ethan because of how the game played out or what are your thoughts on Ethan? I think Ethan, um, he had spells of trying to beat his man and he was trying to uh, put the ball in the box, etc. But obviously, I know Louis used to playing with um, Harvey or Sorinola out on the left. Maybe there's a bit of partnership there and maybe Laird doesn't know Louis inside out as he as much as he knows Ohora as such. So he knows his weeks, uh, strengths and weaknesses, sorry. So I felt Laird had a decent game, but he wasn't outstanding, like obviously in recent recent displays. Yeah, and I suppose a lot of why Laird has been so good at some his field for around him, and that's been fairly consistent the whole time. And I thought they absolutely ran the show for that game. And Matt O'Reilly, some of his technical ability was incredible on Saturday. And um, I thought it was he was very close to him and Livington for me from other match. Um, I know a few people sort of thought Scott Fraser um, having a, a poor game, and I, I'm I don't know I'm struggling because you look at the numbers and the numbers say a different story to be honest. You know, a 91% pass completion, ground jewels he got stuck in. He didn't win all of them, but he got stuck in. Only gave the ball away 17 times, which for Scott Fraser isn't a lot really, considering the amount of time he's on the ball and how he actually uses it. So I was keen to get your thoughts on uh, Scotty for us, Ross, in terms of how you thought he played and did you kind of agree with the consensus that he's a bit of an off game for him? I think people, what people need to realise is earlier on in the season, we were heavily dependent on Fraser. And as you say, Liam, ever since Matt O'Reilly's came in, we've got like a different outlook to the attack. And with Matt O'Reilly, the technical ability is there, but going forward and picking out, I don't know, picking out and running through that final third is Scott Fraser. So you've got two different players there. And at the weekend, Matt O'Reilly had some joy. And I felt Fraser at times, he was getting in behind and he was unlucky because he had that shot which hit the side netting. He could have done better, but if he scored that, I'm, I'm, I assume all of our fans would be raving about him. So it's it's what perspective you look at it from. But overall, I felt Fraser had an okay game. Yeah, I saw some people talking about you know was he was he off playing off because he's looking for a move, and I was just like, that's quite a far fetched opinion in my eyes. Uh, and yeah, as you said, you know if that chance goes the other side of the net, it's you know. Everyone, I said, everyone's raving about him. It's his first open play goal in a little while. Um, yeah, and um, Josh McKechnie, Andrew Sermon, the pivots, very, very, very good. I thought Josh McKechnie really showed his class uh, the whole game. Um, once they'll get his numbers up, so yeah, I mean, even even for Josh, like he's not really one for long balls. He's always been quite a conservative player, but even he got eighty three percent long ball percentage, uh, five out of six hit a Don's player. So I suppose him and Darling, to be fair, played a lot of long balls, but it kind of showed us how comfortable we were on the ball. It just didn't really trouble us too much. And the fact that McEachern can express himself is a good thing. And this is in the future and the now, because uh, it's always got to have that extra outlet, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Also, what I've mentioned it in previous pods, um, and Russ has echoed this, in the sense of Josh McEachern was hasn't been up to 100% yet. And... He's starting to get up to that, and you can tell that. And I feel like he's starting to mould together really well alongside Sermon. 
And then we've got um, David Kasumi coming off the bench, which another positive from Saturday's result. He's getting more minutes under his belt. And I'm hoping he can start, stay fit and go into next season fit and firing in that midfield. And I know you've mentioned about, obviously, Josh McEachran and Sermon. They're not with us long-term, so we've got to buy time with Kasumu. And uh, obviously, he's our long-term option. So it'll be interesting to see how Russ um, blends him in the next couple of weeks or a couple of games as such. And um, let's hope to see David Kasumi at 100%. Yeah, I imagine secretly Russ is one to keep both of them. Uh, whether they'll admit to that or not, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. But yeah, I feel if we can have those three going to next season, we're in serious business in terms of building a uh, build-up play for sure. Um, because yeah, they're, they're absolute class. And uh, obviously Cas brings a different dimension to that midfield, which we haven't seen in a good few months. Um, we've tried to replace it, it hasn't really worked. Or, or it's just injured and Louis Thompson. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice to see him get more and more minutes and uh, hopefully that continues against Lincoln. I wanted to get your thoughts on Matty Saranola. Um, it's a bit of a strange one, of course. He came on halfway through the second half and for Dan Harvey. But I thought when he came on, he's actually quite impactful. And it was, it was a typical Matty performance for me, you know, crossing the board and creating chances. But... It's it's not obviously an ongoing debate, isn't it? Harvey v Matty, and obviously Matty's got his contract stuff still to sort out, and Dan Harvey's been playing well. Is it? I don't know if it feels like we say it's every episode, but is it still Dan Harvey's position to lose for you? Well, funny enough, you said that the um, last time I was on the pod, I was saying that Sorinoli should start that game. So I think it, as you say, Liam, it's just whatever game suits him, and I feel like Sorinola at the moment. Is he playing for his contract? Maybe. We don't know. But also, in the same sense of, as you said, Liam, when he came on, he did play well. And then crosses into the box. If Jerome was in there, we would have a fighting chance. Because you don't put Will Grigg as a po- as a, a head, head of goal, as such. And I feel like with Harvey, he tries to beat his man and Will Grigg can be the typical poacher he is and uh, tap one in. So I feel like, Jerome suits Sorinola, but Harvey suits Greg. So you've got to find what partnerships link up with one another and uh, go from there. That's interesting take. I like that look, actually. It'd be to see what, what's happening with Cammy because obviously he's injured. Um, contracts low the place. Yeah, the squad's a bit sticky at the moment, isn't it? With certain players, you know, maybe looking elsewhere. Um, so I can understand Russ wanting to uh, stick to the players that are contracted and... Um, Obviously, up front, that's a bit, this is a bit different. But apart from there, yeah, it makes sense. Um, let's touch upon Zach Jules. Obviously, you weren't here last episode where it got pretty heated regarding Zach Jules in terms of our thoughts on it. I'm sure you listened to it, Ross. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, we were talking about people, you know, going harshly in on Jules and how, you know, it emulates very much other players' journeys in the squad in terms of giving them time, you know, trust in the process that cliche um so i'll let you elaborate a bit more on jules first of all what have your thoughts with him in the past few games since he's gone to left center back and how do you feel he did on saturday in particular so i just want to rewind back to the doncaster game i know i think he was at fault for the first goal and at the end of the day he's got that responsibility on his shoulder shoulders and if we compare him to O'Hara in the same sense of 
O'Hara's in his first season and at the start of the season, he was getting a bit of a stick, questioning whether he was the right man at the job. And I feel like Jules is in the, in the exact same position. He's came to a new side, brand new league, and he's getting told to play from out the back, something which he's never done in his career. And I'm seeing really promising signs from what I saw on Saturday. Yes, he's going to make mistakes because Rush is asking him to play such a way. And we've seen the likes of City and all these teams trying to play out from the back. And there's errors there. They're not going to have a perfect game. It's just when you make your errors and how you um, adjust to them errors. So going forward with Jules, I, I haven't had a problem with him in recent games. And I feel like some of our fans are quick to jump uh, shit and jump straight on his back. And I just want to ask fans just to give him a bit more time, at least till the end of the season. You'll start to see him play how Russ wants him to play because of at, when he first came in, he was getting told to play wing back and now he's getting told to play left centre half, two completely different positions. And people need to realise that and maybe just have a bit more patience and time when he does that, make that mistake because of, as you boys mentioned it last episode, We've got nothing to play for at the moment. We're not going to get promoted. We're not going to get relegated. So I don't care where we finish. I don't care whether we finish ninth. I don't care whether we finish 16th. And I know you boys mentioned that. But yeah, I, my main point is just to give Jules a bit of time. Yeah, and I was thinking actually about the left wing back situation. And it was, I think it was all a ploy to get him to play further at field pretty much because we're seeing the positions he's taking up now where he's basically on the halfway line and he's maybe drifting inside or he's laying off to whoever. I think that was why, just because Rush wanted to get him as further at the pitch as possible to try and get him comfortable there. And obviously left wing back, yeah, he was in the box sometimes. He's not in a box really for when we uh, when he's played left centre back, but I get the process behind it now. I didn't at first, but I think I do now. Um, and as you mentioned, yeah, there'd be times where you can tell he's not comfortable there. But I think Dan Harvey actually really helps him out well. And I think that partnership is really, really good because unlike with Matty, because Dan Harvey's really aggressive and likes to get in the player's face, it takes the pressure off Jules a lot. So all he has to focus on is taking the man one-on-one on and just winning the ball because he's an absolute unit rather than, you know, if, if Matty's there, for example, he's got to take a lot more defensive responsibility on because, and with Matty being an inversive winger, he's, um, well, he's on his weaker foot most of the time on that wing. So, yeah, I think the Harvey and Jules partnership could be a thing we see a lot of next season, actually. And, um, yeah, it, I'm, I think, well, I'm hoping to see more and more of it for these next sort of five or six games. And uh, it's promising for sure. Okay, um, actually, I want to ask you a question, Ross. It's not on our notes, so it might take you a bit by surprise. Um, there was, I don't know if you saw the post interview for Russ, but there was a bit of a misinterpretation sort of between the media team and uh, Russ in terms of basically three points. And I want to ask you, and I'll answer it myself, does, at this stage of the season, where relegation isn't a possibility and promotion really isn't a possibility either, do the three points matter to you and why? Every game matters. It doesn't matter whether we're sitting... Do the three points matter, though? Yes. In my eyes, they do. It breeds confidence 
going into next season, especially in this latter stage. I know I've mentioned it earlier. We haven't actually had a fully fit team who have had a pre-season together. And I feel like that's where we're lacking at the moment. And we've obviously, uh, Darling being one of our main players in our squad, O'Reilly coming through, McEachran coming through, Sermon, all these players, they haven't had a pre-season. They haven't had time together to jet gel. And going back to your question, Liam, whether these three points matter, I feel like in these last couple games of the season, these players will start to breed confidence off one another if they start to get three points. If we lose our next six, it's not going to be a, a brilliant a- atmosphere going into next season, is it? So it's it's very symbolic for you then, the three points. It's um, it's not a must, but I, I, if if we're going to set step into next season, the good step, we need three points. Just every, not, I'm not saying every game, but like we can't be going inconsistent as such. No, I get that because obviously, when you review the season, which we'll we'll be doing, of course, at this end of the season, you'll you'll see you'll see the three points there. You'll be like, oh, that was a good time. Whereas, as you said, if we're getting say win, draw, loss, loss, draw, draw, then it's a bit ask oh, a patchy period. I think for me the three points is less significant. I'd rather, say for example, we play the performance Ipswich and not win the game, then go to Lincoln, win a scrappy one nil, and play absolutely terrible. The manager's blasting the team, but we've got three points, which doesn't even matter, realistically. Um, so I think for me, I'd rather an Ipswich performance and not have the, the maximum amount of points than a scrappy one. I mentioned that last episode, and I'll stick by that. I'm sure... A lot of people won't agree with me, and that's fine. It's opinion to opinion, um, but that, yes, that's how I feel about it all. Okay, um, interesting topic for the last point. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Will Grigg and how Saturday wasn't his greatest outing, was it really? And uh, you know, it was. I'm not sure if this one, this one striker formation, really suits him. Um, obviously, the boxer fields worked really well in terms of our you know, security at the back and keeping control of the game. You know. It was case evidence literally on Saturday how well we played that game. Um, but Will Greg just didn't suit the game at all. So I've got the opinion that it he says this is a chance for Charlie Brown to come in and to prove his worth. And he's just got a bit about him, I think. If he's got a bit more pace, a bit more mobility than Greg, obviously if he's younger, of course, that helps. And he's going to need games. He has to get game time, surely, at some point to try and show himself on more than just 20 or 30 minutes. So what are your thoughts on it, Ross? Do you think it's Charlie Brown's time or do you think it's more, give more minutes to Greg? Well, the sensible option would be give uh, give Charlie Brown the uh, 90 minutes for the rest of the season. But is Russ going to do that? Probably not. But obviously, we've seen reports of obviously Greg being linked back to Ipswich. And I, I do feel, I, I do get your point, Liam, in the sense of Charlie Brown's our own player and he's going to be here for the long term. And if he is going to do well, he needs to start playing games. I don't believe these 15 minutes at the end of each game is helping him at all. At the start, maybe at the start, just to get his legs. But if he's starting to get like, I don't know, 60 minutes or so, even for just 45, near the back end of the season, I... I do feel like it will benefit him, but maybe not starting him straight away. Maybe I know Grig had success at Rochdale 
with two two men up top, maybe we could revert back to the three five two. I know Ross has has had success off this box formation, but as some fans like to say, at the Plan B, we uh, we can revert back to this three five two formation or the three five one one. Um, so we've got loads of different formations, and if Charlie Brown is to play, I feel I do feel like we need to revert back to the three-five-two alongside Will Grigg, or Will Grigg to benefit out the system. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, it'd be nice to see you know Grigg and Brown together for maybe ninety minutes or a few games, because as you said, you know Will Grigg, there's a there's a realistic chance he could be at Milky's on play next season permanently. Um, Obviously, that that's a number of factors play into that. Sutherland getting promoted, them actually selling to us for a decent fee, rather than a ridiculous amount of money that we can't afford. Um, yeah, but yeah, is is it the right game for Charlie Brown on Tuesday? Probably not. You know, Lincoln are quite a feisty team. They've got players like McGrandles in mid, midfield who you know really aggressive, as we know, like to get in your face. So. Yeah, maybe not Tuesday, but I feel against maybe some of the lower teams in the league, like the Bristol Rovers have got to play, uh, Swindon again we've got to play, um, and of course Rochdale again on the final day of the season. Those sort of games maybe suit Charlie Brown a bit more. Of course, uh, most of them are on home soil as well, so he gets to play at the stadium a bit more, get used to it. Um, but yeah, uh, he has to get a chance. He has to get 90 minutes or two at least before the end season, really. Not only does he deserve it, in my opinion, for the amount of work he's put in and every game we've seen him, he's pretty much got better and better. But I think if, if you're going to sign a player permanently, you've got to give him game time. I don't. He, obviously, he's young, he's a project, um, but that project's got to be played out at some point. And I think these last few games are a great chance to do that. 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that gives it, well, wraps up our Ipswich review. Um Fairly short and sweet. Of course, only two of us, so limited opinions we can get across, but hopefully you still enjoyed it. Uh, before I well, I cut off to my chat with Gary um, from the Stacey West podcast, um, I want to get want to get your thoughts, Ross, on what your thoughts are ahead of the Lincoln game and some lineup and score predictions for us. So take it away. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take you through my uh, lineup for start. So I've gone with uh, Fisher in goal as usual. And then I've gone with the same back three as Saturday in Louis, Darling and Jules. feel like that back three will probably be the same for the rest of the season. And then I've gone with the two wing backs, which started Saturday also in Laird and Harvey. And then in the box, I've gone with, uh, it might be a bit too soon. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I've gone with Kasumu and Sermon. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, got, I've gone with them too, only because obviously Kasumi's going to have to finally play 90 minutes. It's just when. But obviously, we're going to have to take it easy with him with such a long layoff. So maybe it's a bit too soon. We'll, we'll find out on Tuesday. But yeah, and then in front of them, I've gone with the usual duo um, earlier on in the season in Fraser and O'Reilly. And then I've changed it last minute. I, I, I want it to go Greg, but I want to say Charlie Brown. Let's give him a start. <laughs> yeah, I went Charlie Brown as well. Uh, a little sneak preview to my thoughts. Um, yeah, it, him and Kaz, it could be the wrong games, but yeah, there's just something there. I want to see, well, first you want to see Brown, but of course, if Kaz is available, then of course Kaz will play. Um, 
yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Fairly similar to my thoughts. Um, and yeah, what are your score predictions for, or what is your score prediction, sorry, for a Tuesday? Um, I do feel like it's going to be a tight game because of Lincoln, a very physical side, as you've mentioned, Liam. But I feel like the game will probably play into our hands a bit more and we'll obviously have the possession, etc. Um, but if Brown and all these well, if Kasumi, even Kasumi comes into line, I, I do feel like we'll, um, it'll just be a case of biding our time and uh, seeing whether we can actually get the three points. But I'm going to go with one all draw. Okay. I like it. I think going to Sinsbank and getting a point is a good point. It's a tough place to go. Of course, uh, last time we were there, it was a really masterclass. Uh, unfortunately, that can't be the same now, but uh, hopefully it'll be the Charlie Brown masterclass instead. Okay, well, that brings us nicely to the end of part one. Uh, after a little break, we will head off to part two and my chat with Gary uh, from the Stacey West of the Lincoln game. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, so after a nil-nil draw against Ipswich, the Dons return to action and return to go back on the road to take on a Lincoln City at Sinsel Bank. And got the pleasure of welcoming on Gary from the Stacey West onto the podcast. So, Gary, how are you doing? Uh, I'm a little bit bunged up, my friend, but um, yeah, we shall uh, we shall soldier on. Yeah, yeah, thank you for taking the time once again. Of course, because we recorded a few weeks ago, didn't we, regarding the game before it got postponed due to COVID. And uh, unfortunately, as you said, you're a bit. Uh, bugged it yourself now so uh yeah wish you uh, hopefully you recover soon um but yeah thank you for taking the time absolute pleasure okay so we'll start off with a question which we spoke about a fair bit last time we spoke um in regards to lincoln season so far so uh give us a little rundown how that's gone and where you are now yeah i mean we've had a great season to be honest um obviously we're sixth in the table at the moment we started uh phenomenally uh good win obviously at yours i think we beat oxford and, and charlton early doors as well which got us off to a um a fantastic start um running through till christmas i genuinely thought we were title contenders but we've operated on a very small squad so michael appleton's budget is 40 percent down on last year uh, on last season so he's had to put a squad together and um, that's i'm not going to call it threadbare because that would be disrespectful to to his player recruitment but it's it's a thin squad you know we, we've got um we've got cover we've got depth but not in numbers we've got depth in versatility uh, and unfortunately um sort of uh, injuries have, have taken their toll um, I think I did some numbers and we'd only been able to play our, our full first team something like um, 20% of the season so we've wow. had Joe Walsh who's arguably our top central defender who obviously you know much about and um, I think have played 20 games going into to the weekend against Blackpool uh, Liam Bridcock was, was on a similar number obviously he he's the heartbeat of the team so uh, and I understand it is similar for everybody. I know we played Blackpool yesterday and they're ravaged by injuries. But I think when you, you're a team of relatively small means uh, and uh, you know, people shouldn't be fooled, that's what we are, um, then it's really hard to cover those injuries. So we've had a fall away, I think, over, since Christmas. Um, we've, we've kind of we've struggled to put wins together. We've had some awful results. I mean, we lost at home to Rochdale, which is unthinkable. Lost at home to Fleetwood, which, again, we, we should have won. Drew with Swindon at home. I mean, our home form's been utterly abysmal 
I think we've won one in the last 10 or 12 now in all competitions as well. So, you know, we've, we've gone from automatic promotion contenders to clinging on to the last promotion, uh, the last playoff spot. Uh, it's going to be a real fight. I think it's more a case of who wants it less um, because the, the teams that are kind of challenging with us, Charlton, I know they won at Sunderland, but, you know, they've been up and down. Ipswich, who are relatively poor. Gillingham, who don't have a great amount of time for uh, with their approach. You know, it's, it's almost like everybody's trying to give it away. And I'm just hoping that we can go into the last eight games of the season in the same vein that we played the first two thirds. Yeah, you mentioned about, you know, a lot of players being out injured. And of course, recently, the past two weeks, you've just come back from having a COVID outbreak in the squad where you lost even more players. So um, give us a brief rundown on what what's happened with Lincoln since they returned back from COVID. Of course, they played Blackpool, as you mentioned, on a Saturday afternoon and you saw some players return back that you hadn't had previously. So I suppose touch on touch upon those guys first. Yeah, I mean, if I can, I'll probably start with the outbreak because we we played Sunderland and drew one all. And I thought that was a step in the right direction. And then we went away to Oxford, uh, international break weekend. So we'd lost Brennan Johnson uh, to the international break. Uh, I think we've got five players out at that point injured, which were Walsh, Hopper, Grant, Bridcut. Uh, Bridcut returned for that game, but went off injured. Um, and one other whose name escapes me, Max Sanders, I know, was out as well. Um, and then we got the COVID scare. So Callum Morton, our only centre forward, was out. Adam Jackson was out at centre half as well. So, I mean, we were, I think we named three outfield players on the bench. Oxford were poor, but we had no recognised number nine. You know, we had a right back playing centre back. It, it was just we lost 2-1 and on any other day with, with three other players back, we beat that Oxford side confidently. So... A couple of days later, it was revealed that the there was more COVID tests were positive. We don't know the players that were involved, uh, but it was enough to close the training ground. And that was a 10 day layoff. Um, over that period, I was lucky enough to speak to um, TJ Oma, our, our, our defender, as uh, David Kerslake, assistant manager and Alex Palmer, the keeper. And they were all kind of you know, intimating that the break was was going to be welcomed. And um, obviously they would prefer not to have had players and staff with COVID, but they were looking for the silver lining to the cloud. So 10 days it was closed, players at home. Alex Palmer certainly said that the mental break was very nice. Because I think going into that uh, into that spell, we had played Saturday, Tuesday, eight weeks in a row because of our EFL trophy run as well. So, you know, 16 games in eight weeks. If you have a bad result on a Saturday, you then don't get to put it right on the Monday or Tuesday because you're focusing for the Tuesday's game. You don't get to work on what went wrong on the Saturday. So I kind of understand where they're coming from. So we had a 10-day layoff. Training ground opened last Tuesday. As I understand it, a handful of players only came back on the Wednesday or Thursday. So I think some of the ones that had been affected by COVID were a day or two later back. Um, so we went into the Blackpool game, probably not expecting a lot. Um, Liam Bridcut, Tom Hopper, George Grant all still out. But yes, we got Joe Walsh back. Not ready for 90 minutes at the moment, but he came on at half time. Uh, for Lewis Monsma and, and put in a really good performance. You know what Joe Walsh is all about. Um, he's, you know, he's comfortable on the ball. He's a good defender. He adds balance because he's left-footed. Uh, Max Sanders got 45 minutes as well. Um, he's a player that we signed from Brighton in the transfer window. I think he's only played probably four or five times for us. Um, he played the holding midfield role, which is covering where Liam Bridcut's injured. He looked comfortable. It was his first football league start, I believe. I'd be happy to be corrected on that, but I know he hasn't started. No, I apologise because he was at Wimbledon on loan. Um, but it's certainly his first start for us. So, yeah, we've got, we've got a couple of those players back. I think the real benefit was the players that were carrying knocks or carrying fatigue 
over the course of the previous eight weeks. So we're talking about Adam Jackson, who who was kind of playing through the pain barrier each and every week. We're talking about um, the likes of Teo Eden and Conor McGrandles, who were 90 minutes, you know, 108 minutes a week, 90 minutes every game. Um, and we were very, we were poor, to be fair, in the first half against Blackpool. Uh, they're a very good side. I'm sure you, you've seen that firsthand. They attack with a lot of pace. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, injury ravaged themselves, but they they, they took a 1-0 lead uh, into half-time, came straight out, made it 2-0. And I think at that point, we'd almost resigned ourselves to the fact, look, we're, gonna, we're not going to win this game. So we made three substitutions, fringe players who you felt probably you know, weren't in line to start against you guys. Um, Harry Anderson, one of them, assist for Anthony Scully's goal. Anthony Scully, another one, scored and an assist as well. So uh, pulled it back to 2-2. Uh, and now all of a sudden we're confident again because we've shown, I mean, I think it's showed such character. You know, 15 minutes to go, 2-0 down against the team that are unbeaten in 13. Some lesser teams might fold. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I think half of our fan base are resigned to the fact we're going to be in League One next season. And the other half have got that, it's the hope that kills you attitude about the playoffs and, you know, if, if we got into the top six and George Grant and, uh, and, and Tom Hopper and Liam Bridcut returned from injury, then we're just coming into form and, and, and hopefully full fitness at the right time. So, yeah, it's interesting return from COVID. Um, just a shame, obviously, now that next Saturday's games are called off as well. Um, you know, it's going to cause a real big fixture pileup. Yeah, well, um, speaking of what, our game got rescheduled with Pompey. Ours is games at 1pm now, I think, instead of 3pm. Um yeah, but of course, everyone needs to arrange their games. I don't think many will be so or so called off. Um, it's maybe rescheduling kickoff times, maybe like earlier or later in the day. Um, oh, is, that, is, that right? is that right? Is it? My apologies. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, before. no. Well, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I think for now it's cancelled. But I say, I think our club, I think us and Poppy planned ahead. So we rescheduled our game two hours earlier. So yeah, we were playing at 1pm on the 17th. So I imagine Lincoln and other clubs will be doing the same. Um but yeah, I mean, you mentioned regarding fatigue and that. I mean, case case example earlier for us in, in the week with uh, Warren O'Hara, he'd been carrying injury months and months, and uh, unfortunately, he was seen after our latest game coming in, coming up in crunches, and uh, he's out for the season now. So that just shows you how you know. Whilst yes, it was a difficult situation for you guys, and obviously it wasn't ideal. It's probably going to benefit you in the long run. And I know you mentioned about maybe some fans resigning into League One, but you're still sick, and I think your schedule's not too bad. I mean, you're playing some difficult teams, of course, in Peace, Sabrar, and Hull, who are going to be, in my opinion, the top two this season. I've had Hull with the champions for quite a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think your schedule's not too bad, and you've definitely got the quality of players to be in that top six. So, and of course, actually, that, that result um, on Saturday is game changer, quite frankly, especially going into this game where it could be quite an intense one where we've got a lot of the ball and your guys are having to press us a fair bit. Okay, so let's get to some key players. Um, I suppose most Dons fans will be interested to know in the three ex-Milton Keynes Dons players in the squad. Um, so, of course, if anyone doesn't remember, that's uh, Regan Paul, uh, Conrad Grandles, and, of course, Joe Walsh, who mentioned a fair bit of. Uh, we'll probably leave Joe Walsh because everyone knows he's, as you said, this consistent player. He doesn't really make mistakes and he brings up versatility to the squad. So, um We'll start with Regan Paul, I suppose. He's been a fairly prominent player in squad, hasn't he, Regan, in terms of being on that right-hand side of the defence and being quite an attacking outlet. So how has Regan been since he's joined Lincoln? I would say a steady seven. Um, I think 
he was brought in, I think, with a plan for next season. As I understand that he was out of contracts, I think, with you guys at the end of the year, the plan uh, was was probably for us to bring him in in the summer. And I think we accelerated that a little bit um, and, and signed him and another lad, Cohen Bramwell from Colchester. So he's he's come in to replace TJ Ioma when there wasn't really a necessity for that. I mean, Ioma's on loan from Spurs. He had had a great season at right back um, and he turned into a bit of a fan's favourite, the youngster. So I think it's been tough for Regan to come in, replace a player who had been doing very well uh, and get up to speed with a new team, particularly when it's hard to work on patterns. As we've said, when you work, <clears throat> when you go in Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, it's very hard for a manager just to get his players in and say, this is how I want to play, because he's always planning for a game rather than for a, a kind of a general approach. Um, I really like Regan Paul. I liked him when he was at Newport County. Um, I thought he was a great signing for you when he, when, when he moved as well. At the moment, I don't think we've seen the best of him. Um, but then I think that's probably testament to his ability when I say he's a steady seven, but there's a lot more to come. And um, he looks to be still getting to grips with our system. Uh, he is a, a right back in a, a flat back four, but he is expected to push forward and join the attack. Um, I think it's been hard for him to form relationships with the players ahead of him. And I think when when you play the the four three three that we do, the the kind of the triangle between the right back, the right attacking midfielder and the right winger is really important because it's those little triangles that kind of moved you further up the pitch. Um, he's a player I know is going to have a big future with us. Uh, I've got absolutely no doubt about that. You can see his quality on the ball. Um, but at the moment, he's easing himself in gently. He hasn't let us down, uh, but he hasn't done anything where you, you would go, wow, that, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think it's difficult when a player signs in January often to settle into a side, particularly a side like, probably like like yours as well, you know, where lots of possession base, lots of patterns, lots of work on that kind of formation. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how Regan does next season, but he'll certainly benefit from the run of games. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget Regan. This is his first proper full season in terms of playing that right wing back or right back role uh, for the respective clubs he's been at this year. So the fact that I think he has shown, as you said, that he's a 7 out of 10 for you this season, that's actually really good. And that's probably better than many people would think because he's, you know, he's also been centre-back most of his career. So him developing those skills and, as you said, if he is playing well and developing those patterns of other players and that's, that's been shown developing game by game, then, yeah, as you mentioned, next season could be really promising for him. I suppose um, we'll touch upon, you mentioned that right attack in mid and on Saturday, that appears to be Conor McGrandall. So we'll touch upon him a bit more. Um, from an MK Don's point of view, McGrandall to me was always a player who was very good at doing one role, but we were, we were asking too much of him. So we're asking him to score goals, get assists, you know, be that box-to-box -box kind of field that Scott Fraser is now, when he simply just couldn't do that. So my assumption of McGrandall's is that he was always just good at being that sort of interceptor and keeping the game ticking rather than getting up to the other end of the pitch and scoring goals. So I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on Armand McGrandall's are for first of all and what sort of role he's developed in that imp side. Yeah, I mean, first of all, my thoughts on Conor McGrandles. I love the lad. Um, he's such a hard worker. He's he's what I describe as an honest footballer. He's never found hiding. He's never found wanting. If we're playing badly, he still wants to get on the ball. And if he misplaces a pass, he wants to get back on the ball again. Um, and I think certainly sometimes with the lone players that you bring in from higher up, if things aren't going as well, they can disappear. They can shrink away. But but. Connor never does. Uh, and I like that. I think he's he's a great character around the dressing room, from what I understand from the other players. Um, and he's one of our most experienced players. Um, he's, he's 
you know, he, he's key to kind of motivating um, some of the younger lads. And recently he's been the only real consistent midfielder that we've had. Um, James Jones has been in and out of form, hasn't played. Teo Eden, who partnered him in midfield on Saturday, um, is usually a left back, obviously. Bridcott and Grant both injured. So Connor's really been um, been a constant. He was injured over Christmas. I'll be honest, we didn't miss him. That sounds really harsh, but uh, it, it was more a case of missing him in terms of the squad depth, not the, not the start in 11. Uh, and then he came back from injury and he's just been... Uh, I'm not going to say sensational because you know we've picked up seven or eight points from a possible 30. So nobody's sensational in that run, but he's just been dependable when we've done well, he's done well. When we've played badly, he's still been one that people point to and go, he, he, he was all right. He was man of the match yesterday. I think voted on the official club site. Um, I think in terms of his position, I mean, we play a, a 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder in front of the back four and then two advanced midfielders further forward uh, and then three across the top. It could be a 4-1-4-1, I suppose, if, if you got picky. Um, and McGrandles would play as one of the two in the advanced four in midfield. So he's playing kind of a, an attacking midfield role. Uh, he's always got another player at the side of him, uh, Teo Eden, George Grant, usually one of those two, James Jones as well for, for a time. Um, and I like his forward thinking. Since he's come back from injury, he seems to have a much more attacking outlook. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he just sat and watched our games uh, and kind of understood his role a little bit more, but he's been amongst the goals. Um, he had our best chance in the first half yesterday. And it's a ball over the top to Callum Morton. And at the time, McGrandles is stood in the centre circle and Morton's just end, just getting on the edge of the 18-yard area. By the time Morton's checked, pulled the ball back uh, and fed it in, McGrandles has got penalty spot. I mean, he's, he's just got such a great engine. Um, so he's probably, with the injuries that we've got, he's probably our key player at the moment. Um, if he plays well, we play well. But I concur with you. I think if you were asking him to play as a central midfielder in a 4-4-2, and protect the back four and get forward and create assists, I think you would take possibly something away from his game. And um, having said that, we went 4-4-2 in the second half yesterday. He played as one of the two uh, and he was still man of the match. So, um, yeah, he's doing really well for us. That's good to hear. He's got a, he's got a lot of admirers here at MK Dons. I know I wasn't as big as Myra, but I know a lot of people were, especially because he's like an engine. A lot of people love box-to-box midfield in terms of what they do for the team. So, yeah, it's good to hear that he's doing well with Sinsel Bank. Um, so you mentioned Connor was the key player. Um, here were some other key players maybe Dons fans should look out for that maybe haven't been brought up so far. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to say Teo Eden. I can't remember what I said when we recorded last time, so if it's completely <laughs> apologies. Uh, your listeners won't know that, though. Um, Teo Eden, I, I think he's a great player for us. Uh, really flexible. He played left-back most of the season. We brought Cohen Bramall in, uh, and it, he's now gone into midfield. Um, he's played the holding midfield role. I like him best when he's in the advanced midfield role alongside McGrandles. He's really neat in possession, um, holds the ball well, can create uh, from nothing. He's only really played in that advanced role the last couple of games. And I think he's looking really, really good. He's a player I fully expect will play championship football uh, at some point in the next couple of years, whether it's with us or not. Former England youth player. I think he won the European Championships as well uh, with the under-17s, although he was sent off in the final. Um, and yeah, it would be remiss of me not to mention one of, and I'm not sure which one really is key, Brennan Johnson and Morgan Rogers. 
Um, and what, what we've got in those two is your traditional flair player. We've got the player that likes the space to run into when we're counter-attacking their paces deadly. Um, they can conjure up moments of magic from nowhere. Uh, our, our second goal yesterday was a, a finish from an acute angle from Johnson. Uh, Rogers had, I think, two or three goals in our goal of the month competition. He scored a belt in solo goal against Ipswich. But the problem is they drift in and out of the game. They're the sort of players that you have to get on the ball. They don't often go looking for the ball. For my money, I think you can only have one of those types of player in the side. Okay. You can only have one flair player. And you've got to have one other player, like uh, we've got Harry Anderson, who, who's been just gone through his 200th appearance with us, who, um, who goes and looks for the ball. I think if you've got two players who don't look for the ball, expect it and the opposition kind of throttle that a little bit, then they both look very poor. Rogers probably had 10 touches yesterday. He was utterly woeful. Uh, but he's the sort of player that he can have 10 touches and one of them might bring a goal. So um, I expect them to both start against you. And I expect them to play better against you than they do against some other teams that throttle the game. Um, I mean, my understanding of MK Dons, I'm happy to be corrected, is possession-based, nice expansive football, lots and lots of passing, lots and lots of build-up. Uh, Johnson and Rogers are the sort of player that if when that build-up breaks down, if the ball gets turned over, they will then transition very, very quickly into attack. So they could be two very key players um, for us on Tuesday night. Yeah, especially your, your second goal at our place was pretty much that, wasn't it? You know, we made a mistake. You, you get the ball, cross it in, simple goal. Um, and of course, we won't talk about the first goal because it's never a penalty. I don't know how that was given. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's how I describe it. I think the, those two in particular are going to be really key for you in this game. Um, and yeah, they're going to create chances. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle for sure. I suppose we're getting to do our predicted starting 11s um, and I'll kick off with the Don's perspective. So obviously Ahura being out, it makes it interesting now, um, but by the looks of it, the back three that played yesterday in uh, Dean Lewington, Darling and Jules were pretty solid. Uh, it's which didn't really have a shot on target, I don't think. So you can't have much more than that. So imagine it'd be those three with Fisher in net. Um, it'd be Ethan Laird again, I imagine. Uh, Daniel Harvey um, at left wing back. Uh, then the midfield four of Andrew Sermon, uh, Josh McEtker and uh, Matt O'Reilly and Scott Fraser. And then I've actually gone uh, Charlie Brown up front. We spoke a lot in the last episode about maybe, is it time for Charlie Brown to come in? Um, and I think it is. Uh, didn't see too much Will Grigg. And I think Mr. Brown deserves a chance. Okay, so obviously, Gary, the last time we spoke, there's a bit less options for Lincoln in terms of starting 11. So there's a, uh, there's a few more available now, I suppose. So maybe you've got a bit of a better idea who may start. So if you could give us some idea of a starting 11 for Lincoln for Tuesday night, that'd be excellent. Yeah, I think we'll be quite... Um, this won't be accurate because I think Michael might bring some surprises. And I think given how we finished the game against Blackpool, one or two players have forced their way into contention. Um, if it was myself, Alex Palmer in goal, obvious ever-present all season. Uh, Regan at right-back, no doubt at all. Cohen Bramall at left back, uh, lots of pace, lots of aggression going down the line, a little bit suspect defensively, which will be interesting. Uh, Centre-backs, well, luckily we've got three available. I think it'll be Joe Walsh and Adam Jackson. I think Lewis Monsmore will drop to the bench. He came off at half-time yesterday. I think in the holding midfield role, he'll go back to Max Sanders. Um, I think Sanders starting was key. I think we've got to have that kind of uh, um, steady presence in the midfield, so he's he, you know he's a very young player. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. McGrandles and Eden in the two attacking midfield roles. That's I think a given. Both very very good footballers. 
And I think up front, he'll start with the same three. I think it'll be Morgan Rogers on the left, Brennan Johnson on the right, uh, and West Brom Loney, Callum Morton up top. So three Loneys up front. Uh, but don't be surprised if either Harry Anderson or Anthony Scully starts uh, instead of one of Rogers or Johnson as well. So it's nice to have a few options finally. Yes, built for choice up there, aren't you? Compared to the rest of the team. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because I mean, we've obviously we've also got James Jones um, who could play in the attacking midfield role. We've got Theo Archibald now, who's who's fit, could play left wing. Uh, Remy Howarth has, has been in and out of the side. He scored a couple this season as well. So be interesting to see um, exactly who Michael goes with. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, we'll finish off our score predictions or how you think the game will go. Um, Gary, why don't you kick us off with how you think Tuesday night's going to go from a Lincoln City perspective? I'm going to pre-warn you. I do a match day live programme um, for the club, uh, as, as you'll know, because you will be on it this week. Um, yes, and I'm asking yeah. for a prediction. And I think of the last 10 matches, I've actually got eight of them right with about four of them spot on. Okay. Uh, got the 2-2 result against Blackpool. Um, I'm going to go uh, for a 2-1 Lincoln win. I think that our run of form is coming to an end. And I think something, um, I can't remember whether it was on air or off air, that you pointed out that you've got games against teams who have got something to play for when potentially you haven't. And I think that might be a telling point in the dying stages of the game. Yeah, we've got, well, basically every game, apart from Fleetwood, we're playing a team that pretty much needs three points. So... Yeah, it'd be a good test for us. And of course, it'd be a competitive game. So it won't be, well, hopefully not games like Ipswich, where it's nil-nil board draws. Um, I've gone completely ever end of the spectrum. I've gone for a 2-0 Dons win. Um, I feel the control we showed at Ipswich was unrewarded. Uh, and I think the, many of the first team feel the same. So they'll be coming to Lincoln wanting to get a result against a team who you know are going to want a result as much as they are. Um, and hopefully with the team that I've picked, um, we can take our chances this time. And Charlie Brown, be looking to impress, of course, trying to fight for his place in the first team next season. Is he the boy that you got from Chelsea? He is, yeah, yes. Yeah. He's a former Ipswich lad, so him coming on against Ipswich would have been interesting for him. Um, but yeah, he deserves a chance, I think. Uh, we've seen Will Grigg, didn't, didn't really bark up any trees uh, on Saturday. So yeah, why not give the kid a chance and see what he's got? And when you say former Ipswich kid, of course, John Marquis and Jack Marriott were both former Ipswich trainees who uh, had to go elsewhere for their chance. And I think if Brown was half the player that either of those have become, you will have unearthed a gem. That's the one thing I'd like to see us do next season is pick a striker up like a Charlie Brown to, to integrate. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, well, we've got Russell Martin's got a bit of reputation now developing these younger plays. And you know, Harry Darley's been excellent since he came in. Warren O'Hara before he got injured was been immense really um been a bit of our Joe Walsh really really consistent hasn't really put a foot wrong all year and yeah hopefully um Brown was all a bit of a project this season but next season we're all kind of hoping he can step up um, especially with our striker options at the moment because Jerome's probably heading off to the championship uh Will Grigg is not our player just yet although hopefully that we are and uh, Joe Mason's gonna be out of contract so literally it is Charlie Brown no one else next season's at the moment so yeah it's important he gets his chance and it's important he uh, takes it Okay, well, Gary, thank you very much once again for coming on to the podcast. Um, if you want to plug anything, uh, feel free. Um, yeah, just if, if MK Don's fans are interested in the Stacey West, which is my own site, uh, and I'm also trying to spark back up another uh, third and fourth tier website called The Real EFL, uh, which I run, hopefully taking some more writers on soon. So if you have time for that, please do check it out, therealefl.co.uk. Yeah, definitely check it out. And um, of course, I'll be heading on to the Stacey West podcast uh, 
later on this week to talk to Jake about our own preview. So if you want to listen to that, then feel free. Um, it'll be full of great insight as well. Thanks very much for listening to today's episode of the MK1 Podcast. Please rate, review and subscribe. Come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.